Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. On the podcast, you'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Today, we're so excited to welcome Sister Linda K. Burton to the podcast. Sister Burton, welcome. Thank you so much. We're so excited to have you. And our listeners will be most familiar with you as a previous General Relief Society president. And now you are serving in the Jordan River Temple with your husband. You're the temple matron. And so we're so excited to get to know your experiences and things that you've been doing as far as that goes. But we'd also love to introduce you a little bit more. So you were born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. And this is really neat. So when you were a teenager, you lived in New Zealand for a few years while your dad was serving as a mission president. In our conversation just before we started recording, Carly said that her grandpa lived there and he was your math teacher. He was. <laughs> we nickname him Bones, but of course never call that to him. <laughs> a very tall and gangly <clears throat> man. But he was wonderful, a fabulous teacher. <laughs> That's so fun. Fun connection. Yeah. Sister Burton attended the University of Utah where she studied elementary education, and that's where she met her husband. And you served together with your husband in the Korea Seoul West Mission Mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, and you also served on the Primary and Relief Society General Boards, and now here you are with all your experience, and we are just so excited to have this conversation with you. Well, it's a delight to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. It's fun to see you and, and hear from you again, and we know listeners will be excited to hear from you again as well. We were also talking before the recording how unusual your time has been serving as a temple matron. You said you were called about a year ago, and then really just a short time after that is when all of these changes and closures occurred because of the pandemic. So when you started, as we said, it was only about four months after your call. Will you tell us about your experiences as temple matron during this time and maybe how your responsibilities have changed since the closures and then with the gradual reopenings, any experiences or stories that come to mind we'd love to hear? Well, this has been an interesting time. Just when you think you've figured things out, the Lord has something different in mind. COVID hits and we get notice in at the end of March that we're going to be closed. I shared this with Shailen earlier, and so on the night of the closure, we received a phone call about 7.30 that night that at the end of the day, the that doors were going to be closing. That yep. was it. The doors would wow. close, and you can imagine our hearts just absolutely sunk, and we were devastated. We did have a couple that had just fin- she had just finished receiving her endowment, and they were sitting in the celestial room. And we had known that they had scheduled a time to be married, I think, a couple weeks later, and then had moved it up another week. Here they were, ready to be married, and the temples were all closed. And unknowingly, yeah. Yeah, we knew all the temples were being closed. And I just felt, I, I said to my husband, he was called downstairs to address another matter, and I says, would you feel all right if I went in and just mentioned to them that when they leave, the temples will be closed and just put it out there for them. And I was hesitant to do that, but I did go down to the celestial room, let them have their quiet time, and I kind of watched for an opportunity and went over to them and just mentioned, and their parents were both there, interestingly. And I just said, the temple's closed tonight. All the temples will be closed tonight. I just thought you'd want to know. And I says, this is no pressure. I'm not asking you to make any decisions. I just thought in courtesy to you, knowing you have a marriage date, I'd let you know. And they said, well, could we be married tonight? I says, 
if that's what you decide, but take your time, take as much time as you want to make that decision. It took about an hour and a half, and they decided that they were going to do that. They had talked with their parents, and it was very, very sweet. We had to get permissions, and it took a while to get things everything we, in place. Everything in place. At Meanwhile, <laughs> while we were getting things in place, we got a knock at the door. The doors had already been locked, and there was a couple that came. They'd already been to three other temples asking if they could come in and be sealed, and they had already been closed for the night, and we were able to accommodate that. So we had two mm-hmm. ceilings and laid. Not on the schedule, probably at 10 It wasn't on the something. schedule, but <laughs> it was just kind of like a tender mercy from Heavenly Father because we were so devastated, and to us, this was just saying, I'll do my work in my own way, and it was very, very sweet. And this sweet little gal that didn't come into the temple anticipating to be sealed that night left in her cute little cotton dress. It was snowing terribly as they walked out, and they just were delighted. It was just this sweet, sweet experience. But we felt it was a tender, sweet mercy from Heavenly Father to be able to lock those doors and feel good about it, at least for a time. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's been inspired by the stories that we hear of people's plants who have changed or who've waited their whole lives or many years for something that they've planned and hoped for that looks nothing like what they planned or hoped for. And yet the blessings are still there and the joy is still there and their perspective has been inspiring to me. So it was just as inspiring to reopen in May for the phase one Mm -hmm. for those that had had to adjust and adjust. And the first priority was being able to seal those couples who were previously endowed. And so you can imagine the gratitude that they came through those doors with to be able to receive those exalting ordinances in the temple. It was very, very, very sweet. And each stage has been sweet. And it's been like building a rocket in midair. (laughs) But it's not without the direction of the First Presidency. The First Presidency has been very involved and very helpful in helping us do this in the Lord's way. And we've been grateful. And I hadn't thought about, too, that the Jordan River Temple For those who haven't worshipped there, it's really big. And when you worship there, you get a sense of like, there are a lot of people here. There is a lot going on. It's kind of known, yeah, it's kind of known as the workhorse temple because we can't accommodate a lot. But Mm -hmm. let me give you an example of what's changed since COVID. So we began with about 4,200 ordinance workers. That does not include the office staff and you know, the Such maintenance and, uh, and the laundry peop- and the people, the volunteers, just a number, a lot of numbers. So that's we were having about 900 workers per day come in and help with ordinance workers. Now we are working with about 15 per shift. And so we just keep saying, just keep praying. Just keep praying those Mm -hmm. doors will open and keep safe. Keep safe and Mm -hmm. keep praying. Well, and then the number of patrons too. It's amazing to go from, I mean, how many were there a day? We could accommodate about 125 in each endowment room. Wow. So that's about every 20 Three, minutes we yeah. have that. And so now the maximum we can have in a session is 16. Wow. But we've had a lot that have only come with two or three, and those have been sacred. So what we're learning is Heavenly Father wants us to learn something different than what we had in mind. I love the scripture in Isaiah that says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your ways. And so we're trying to say, okay, what is he trying to teach us? And one of the main things that has just jumped out at us is that 
It is his work. We always knew that, but it's very evident now. Also, he wants us to learn to serve one by one, as he did. And having had so many people in the temple at a time, kind of limited us in what we could do. Right. You know, we were trying to keep up with interviews and training and all this stuff. But now we've been able to focus on The administrative work is not as heavy. Yeah. So we've been able to get right into the ordinances and be hands-on helping provide those and looking these patrons in the eye as they receive them. And the gratitude has just been overwhelming on their side as well as our side. So... I really wish you could see the faces of those. You know, we have to unlock the doors to let each group come in. And as they come in, there really is just this gratitude, both of the workers and the patrons. It's just different, and it sanctifies the house of the Lord. The spirit that comes with that is pretty overwhelming. So I think gratitude is another major thing that Heavenly Father wants us to learn, not to take for granted the things that we've had and to appreciate them and be prepared to come with more grateful hearts. It's like being compelled to be humble. <laughs> Let's choose to be grateful, choose to be humble, choose that in gratitude and in love for our Heavenly mm-hmm. Father. Thank you so much for sharing these lessons and, and your experiences. Well, and I just can't help but think like this experience that we have right now is probably similar to a lot of experiences that people have around the world where they may only go to the temple once or twice in their whole lives just based on availability and and resources and things like that. So we just would love to know, as you met with Latter-day Saints around the world in your calling as the Relief Society General President, what did you learn about the temple just from these stories and experiences that you heard from members worldwide? Let me give you just a couple ideas of what I observed. One of my first trips was to Chile. Chile. <laughs> and we were there on a Friday night. We got to go through a temple session earlier in the afternoon. And as we came out of the temple doors, there were youth and parents lined up all the way around the building. Wow. to get into the temple. And I thought, okay, this is Friday night, and the youth have chosen to come to the temple. And many of them had come long distances, like he suggested. And there was this excitement and fervor that was absolutely electrifying. Mm. And I just looked, and I just thought, look at this. And I think that's how it's going to be in the Jordan River Temple yeah, when people come back. I think so. So that was really special. In my experience in Korea— It's a different culture, of course, than Chile or from America, and it's this deep respect. And in the temple, I don't know that I have ever seen or heard or felt a more profound reverence for our Father in Heaven. It just is kind of breathtaking. That feeling is something that I so want to inspire others to come. But we're also reminded that, you know, the most reverent temple is the emptiest temple. But in, and that's not really what we want. <laughs> that's not really what we want. But I saw that with, you know, many people in the temple in Korea that there could be many, but there could be this profound reverence too. So there's a, there's a mix there. But let me give one other little personal incident in Korea that we learned of. A recent convert and 
her parents were baptized and her daughters were baptized at the same time. And her father looked like a little bishop. He was just darling. We went to that baptism. And his greatest desire was to go to the temple. He knew he couldn't do anything right away, but he decided he was going to go to the temple and just touch it, just touch it. And it wasn't an easy journey for him, but he went anyway. His wife was a little behind times, and he just said, well, I'm going to go without you. <laughs> she didn't, did end up showing up after, but he just could not wait to touch the temple. And fortunately, the temple president saw this man at the door and invited him to go down to the non-patron area where he could at least come in to just be inside the temple doors and invited him to be ready as soon as possible to come in be baptized for the dead, and then prepare the next year to receive his own endowment. It was very sweet. One other one that comes to mind is my last trip as the General Relief Society president was to the Asia area. And one of our final stops is in Hong Kong, where we went to the temple there. And in the half hour that we were there, we didn't get to do a session that day, we saw people there from Mongolia, Cambodia, where was the other one? Indonesia. That temple now is closed, but it was servicing half of the world's population. So it was like a 30-hour trip for the Mongolian saints to get there. And so it points out exactly what you're saying. Do we appreciate what we have? I'm reminded of that wonderful story that Ann Pingree told years ago in General Conference when she and her husband had served in Nigeria as mission president and wife. And a day was set aside where everyone would come to get their temple recommends. And she remembers seeing two sisters come walking. It was an 18-mile round trip for them to come and get their temple recommends that they would never use. Wow. And I think, how much do we cherish the opportunity to have a current temple recommend that we hope we'll be able to use? You know, it's kind of similar now. We, we're hoping we're going to be able to use, but it shows the desires of our hearts. Where is our heart? And maybe you could share, Sister Burton, what does that mean to you or what have you learned in this time about the meaning of this piece of paper, maybe just a piece of paper that has a date and a signature? What does it mean? I really think it shows where our hearts are. There's not a lot we can do to show our Father in Heaven how much we love Him, but having a current temple recommend kind of shows that this is a high priority for me. I want to declare that. I have a testimony that He's real and that He loves me and that He's blessed me, and I'm committed to keeping these covenants. Here's a little experience I've had just recently. A sister came to the temple. Fortunately, we don't know the stories. It's fortunate. Sometimes we hear bits and pieces, but we don't ask. Mm -hmm. We don't ask why you're here. We don't ask, are you going on a mission? We don't ask because it doesn't matter to the Lord. But sometimes you can tell by the way people are dressed or sometimes by different markings on their bodies or so forth that there's, you know, this has been a journey for them. And this was one such experience. And a sister came through the door, showed her recommend, and tears started to stream down her face. I didn't ask. Led her back to where we take care of things and... She wept all through the ordinance, all through instruction time, and then just said, I am so grateful to be in the house of the Lord. And I knew her recommend meant something to her because it had been a journey. 
But I don't think it has to be a journey for us to appreciate that opportunity. We all have journeys. We all have stories. Mm -hmm. But how much do we cherish what we can have, access to the Lord's house? When it's in full operation, there's we have more opportunity to go into the house of the Lord than we do our chapel next door. When it's in full operation, the Lord wants us in His house. And do we take advantage of that? Do we want to be with Him as much as He wants us to be with Him? So that's what it means to me. I really appreciate you sharing that. And I like what you highlighted about, I think I think I'm quick to think, and I think some people are quick to think, like, this just proves that I'm following the rules. <laughs> you know, like, this proves that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And But I really like what you said, that it can actually instead signify and be kind of a witness of our testimonies of the Savior. I really like thinking about it that way instead of like, I'm a rule-keeping member of the church. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a checklist person. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm someone who has a testimony of Jesus Christ. And I want to be close to him. I want to be near him. I want to learn from him. Yeah. I and it represents that. our efforts. Mm -hmm. and, and the Lord stories. loves effort. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We've heard that before, haven't yep, we? we have. Mm -hmm. I think it also bears out what our prophet's teaching us just this last conference. It's letting the Lord prevail in our lives. He wants to help us. He wants to do what he can for us. But if we don't let him, if we don't choose him, you know, he wants us to choose that. He's not going to force us to get a recommend. But he wants us to choose it so he can open up the windows of heaven for us. Sister Burton, in your bio as the Relief Society General President when you were serving in that role, you shared a phrase that you've said you particularly love that the Prophet Joseph Smith used in the dedicatory prayer of the Kirtland Temple. And that phrase is, and that they may grow up in the Lord. And in your bio, you said, what can we do to prepare our families to grow up in the Lord? in order that they and we might better claim the blessings associated with temple worship. And you shared this, obviously, before you were the temple matron, but as a temple matron now, is there anything more you would add or anything else you've learned about this particular phrase or thought? So since I gave that talk, I have noticed, especially last year, several different resources available to us to help us prepare our children especially Elder Bednar, as the executive director of the temple department, has said a lot. He gave a, a talk on prepared to obtain every needful thing last April. It's a fabulous and talk. And we'll link to that for listeners in the description so people can study that. And there's also an Ensign article that he wrote that was in the Ensign of October of last year, kind of a follow-up on that, an expansion of that. And he gives seven steps that can help parents to prepare their children, which I love too. Oh, well, let me give you one more. That's, I'll give an actual quote. This is from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. Again, this is in October 2019. It's from The Message, The Meaning, and the Multitude. And I have really felt this is a great preparation for growing up into the Lord. It says, when one goes to the temple for the first time, he or she may be somewhat awestruck by that experience. Our job is to ensure that the sacred symbols and revealed rituals, the ceremonial clothing and visual presentations never distract from, but rather point toward the Savior whom we are there to worship. The temple is His house, and He should be uppermost in our minds and hearts. Amid all the wonder we encounter, we are to see above all else the meaning of Jesus in the temple. I have loved that because one of my assignments is to help instruct those sisters that come through 
for the first time to receive their endowment. So I often stop and say, if you start to feel a little overwhelmed, but we use the word awestruck now with (laughs) Elder Holland's beautiful description there, stop and ask yourself the question, how can this help me increase my faith in the Savior Jesus Christ? I really think we kind of miss that in the temple. We need to do better in growing up and figuring out how that looks. That phrase, growing up in thee, has been a blessing as I have considered it and maybe compared it to the growth and development of a baby. Having had six children of my own and 31 grandchildren, I've been very interested in watching a child develop. Now, we love it when we bring a newborn home. And Carly, you'll be doing that in a couple weeks. (laughs) And what do we expect of that baby when they get home? If they open their eyes, we're applauding. (laughs) Yes, yes. When they smile, we applaud. When they have that first laugh, we applaud. When they learn to sit up or roll over or start to crawl or start to walk, we applaud every step of the way. This is a development. But if they don't, we worry. Something's amiss if they can't meet those benchmarks Mm -hmm. they're supposed to meet. We expect them to grow up, and we try and address that. What it says to me is we are expected to start very basic when we come to the temple. Very small. Mm -hmm. These temple ordinances are symbolic, and they're meant to feed us for a lifetime. So don't give up because we feel awestruck or overwhelmed. Focus on the Savior and get what you can. The Spirit is the teacher in the temple, and He will help you grow up in the Lord as we keep coming with a faithful heart, with an inquisitive mind, with a desire to learn. The Lord loves a hungry learner, and we can help by coming hungering to know and find the Lord in these wonderful things. So grow up, but be patient. This is a process, and just keep coming and just Mm -hmm. keep learning. That is a very encouraging message, I think, and a really great suggestion. I think just if we were to focus on asking ourselves, how can this help increase my faith in the Savior, that would change the experience that we have in the temple. I think it can. Absolutely. Let me give one more quote from President Nelson, also given last year, interestingly. I guess the reason I point out so many of these things came last year. So recently. Because it's before the COVID experience. So when we we had no idea. When we had no idea. So we can spend the time pondering these things and preparing ourselves to come back to the temple as we think these things over and go to these resources available to help us prepare our children. So here's his statement in his closing remarks of last year. He said, of course, the crowning jewel of the restoration is the holy temple. Its sacred ordinances and covenants are pivotal to preparing a people who are ready to welcome the Savior at His coming. As I have pondered that statement over and over again, I thought, yes, it's the crowning jewel of the Restoration. We could stop there. It really is. But its sacred ordinances and covenants are pivotal to preparing a people not just to endure the presence of the Lord who will come in great glory when He comes, but to welcome Him. That suggests we have come to know Him, kind of like I'm just saying. If we have focused on the things we need to focus on in our temple worship, we will know Him better. We will be ready to fall at His feet in worship when He comes with happy countenances. We'll know Him well enough to know that we're excited for Him to come. We won't run and hide. 
we'll be ready because we have got our temple recommend. We've shown that we have testimonies and we're desirous to serve in this temple. And it will be a joyous, glorious experience. And isn't President Nelson all about joy? Yes. yes. <laughs> Deep mm-hmm. joy. There was another thing that President Nelson recently said in a conference talk. It was in Spiritual Treasures. And I just want to read this quote that he shared. He said, Every woman and every man who makes covenants with God and keeps those covenants and who participates worthily in priesthood ordinances has direct access to the power of God. Those who are endowed in the house of the Lord receive a gift of God's priesthood power by virtue of their covenant, along with a gift of knowledge to know how to draw upon that power. So we would just love to hear from your experience as a temple matron. Can you share any thoughts or insights from this unique perspective that you've had recently about the priesthood power that comes to women through making and keeping covenants? I've been thinking about this question, and I I was thinking about a sister I know who received her endowment, and it was a long journey. I did know her story because I knew her personally. And she struggled for years of inactivity out of the church and just difficult challenges. But she finally was able to receive her temple recommend and came to the temple. And it wasn't long before she realized that the power that she received in coming to the temple was the power to resist temptations that had before overcome her. Hmm. No longer were they a challenge. Well, recently... I learned that she was serving as the primary president in her ward. So it reminded me of a statement Sister Jean Bingham made at a BYU women's conference that her presidency talked about the priesthood power, which is another excellent resource for Mm -hmm. our sisters to go to. Wonderful information there. But the thought that really jumped out at me was where she said, the priesthood power magnifies us to be more than we could on our own. So I have watched that close up in the temple. My husband, for one, I know him well. And every time he receives a priesthood calling, he is more than what he could be without it. And I have seen him magnified in wonderful ways in the temple. I've seen his counselors magnified. I've seen their wives who serve as assistants to the matron magnified in marvelous ways. Just in this short year, we've served together. I've watched ordinance workers, regular people, like all of us. Mm -hmm. We're all just regular people with flaws and warts and all. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father magnifies us as we keep those covenants and show our willingness to let Him prevail in our lives, let Him call us to where He's going to call us, and then we become more. We're magnified by that. I see shift coordinators that— step in when there is a crisis and have words given to them, have the ability to minister given to them, have the ability to correct with Christ-like love in ways that I wonder, is this just a magnification of the power of the priesthood that you're experiencing because you're a covenant keeper? And I think it is. I really like that thought Mm -hmm. of magnification. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. 
I think a big question that women have is we're learning so much about the priesthood power that we have access to and that exists in our lives. And I think some of us are maybe not recognizing it as easily. Or I think sometimes we want to distinguish it from, well, is this just power that comes because of righteousness? Or is this just power that comes because I'm inviting the Spirit into my life? So maybe you could give us some thoughts on on and, recognizing and it. And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I think the answer is yes. I think it's all They don't of all that. fit into these right, because, segregated because we qualify boxes. for priesthood power as we are righteous and our righteousness and by its priesthood power, they're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. We can't put it in a box. I think looking back, I have more decades of experience than the two of you do. So as I look back on my own life, and I think about how the Lord has blessed me. I think priesthood blessings and priesthood power are hard to differentiate as well. But I can see the power and the blessings that He has given me by being a covenant keeper and being endowed in the temple because I've had opportunities to serve where He has been able to magnify my efforts that I know have not been my own. Let me give you one example. And I'm sorry this isn't a temple example. This is a Relief Society no, this is example. Perfect. Yeah. But I was speaking to a group of women in Washington. This was a sweet privilege to be able to participate with this group of magnificent women who bring power with them that you feel when you walk into a room of women. Mm. That's one thing that I felt. Mm -hmm. But I had felt I was prepared to give a message. I had talked to several of the leaders up there and had got a feel for what the needs were and felt like I had been able to find resources that I felt pretty good about. That doesn't happen to me very often. I usually just always feel like, oh, I'm not ready. I can't do this. But that was one of the occasions that I had felt that until I stood up at the podium. And here's these thousands of women in this room. And the Spirit speaking to me is saying, put the paper aside. This is not what is right for this group. And I start to panic. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to be obedient. So I put it aside, and I start blubbering. <laughs> and I'm praying while I'm blubbering, Heavenly Father, kick in. I don't know what you want me to say, but I know you want me to say something. So I start to go down a path and started to change. Then all of a sudden, these words started to come that were not my own. And he had given me an experience just the week before where I had been to a funeral of a dear sister in my husband's stake. He was serving as a YSA stake president at the time. And I shared that experience. I didn't know why I was sharing it with this group. At the end of the meeting, one sister came up, had been waiting a while to be able to talk with me, and she said, Sister Burton, I'm the one that you told that story for. She was delivering her baby on the day of her sister's funeral and could not be there. And I had shared something that was said at the funeral that she hadn't heard that she needed to know. She says, I have been missing my sister desperately. Thank you for sharing that. So I share that to say it, it seems like it's a long way off, but I think part of the power of the priesthood is to be able to say what the Lord needs you to say in the moment. It's the power to listen to the Spirit and know how the Spirit listens to you. No wonder President Nelson keeps saying, learn how the Spirit speaks to you so that you can have the faith to set aside the things of the world, even if it's a talk, and seek <laughs> a for really the things A really good talk yeah. that had really come together nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I'll probably never use. But <laughs> to choose to let Him prevail in our lives because He has a better way. His, again, goes back to the 
where we've started. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways. And if we let him prevail in our lives, the outcome will always be better than what we had hoped to design. In that talk that President Nelson gave, he does say, you're probably wondering how to do this, you know, how to receive this revelation, because I think it's natural to just want to be told that, because it does seem kind of overwhelming to learn that, you know, especially if we're starting so basic. But I keep thinking of this scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants, and it's when the saints were commanded to move to Ohio, and it says, there you will be endowed with power from on high. And I've just always thought about that. What is that power? And we know they built a temple and... They were very faithful saints to uproot themselves and just move to Ohio. Like that is showing a lot of faith. And there's power from that faith and from that action. And so then I'm like, okay, what's the difference in the power that they received with an eventual endowment? And I love what you're saying. It's just like, what do we need power to do in our callings and in our families? It's like, that is the power that can come from the priesthood. That's what I think. It's like, I need power to be a good mom. And I need power to just like manage my time and make sure that my efforts are spent where they need to be because that's something that I'm really struggling with. And so I think that also as we are going to the temple and learning how the Spirit can talk to us, that knowledge that we're getting from being in the temple and from being instructed in the temple, that translates to power. And so I'm just, you know, having all these thoughts as you're talking about power. I love that. Think of times in your life when you felt that extra help and that magnification. It's like, that's That's Mm -hmm. the priesthood power. Let me give you a very simple thing. You know, like I say, I'm decades beyond the child-raising stage that is so demanding and takes everything that you have. And so I I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was—I'm not even going to try and quote it because I don't know where it came from. But it has left an impression on my mind that sometimes when we come to the temple, since the Spirit is the teacher there, maybe what you'll receive in the temple— is a blessing because you exercise faith to come as a young mom with little children at home who are demanding on your time. Maybe all that you'll get as you're sitting in that endowment room is an impression of something that you left off your grocery list that you need to stop by the store at the end of the day because <laughs> you don't have time to go back to the store. Maybe it's that simple. The Spirit knows where we're at and what we need in the moment. Heavenly Father knows us so individually and so Mm -hmm. completely that He will give us what we need if we come seeking. Part of that comes through priesthood power. But let me get back to this idea of what that priesthood power is. Again, I'm going back to that idea of magnification. In every church calling we have, in our sacred, eternal roles in our homes as mothers, as wives, those are eternal callings. So why would we not be able to draw on that power? It may look a little bit different, but we are all spiritual leaders in our homes. We are equal leaders with our husbands in that responsibility. This is an eternal role, and we can expect heaven's help of power It may not look like what we want it to look like in the moment, but we never know what words come out of our mouths that our children will cling to in decades Mm fast-forwarding that will have been what they wanted to hear. We may have the inspiration to do something in our home, like come follow me, and that comes in the moment that we need it. And for whatever reason, maybe in 20 years, your children will be telling about, we always did it this way in my home, and it may have been one time. (laughs) But that power that we have had in the moment 
will be magnified by the Lord to perhaps bless generations. And what keeps coming to mind to me as you're sharing this is that maybe we need to think more about priesthood power instead of the power being for us or that gives us authority. It's the power to help and serve someone else, which makes so much more sense when you think about, well, this is God's power. This is the power that the Savior used in His ministry. And so I think even just that change of mindset has helped me kind of see and understand it a little bit more clearly. We have learned for a long time that priesthood power is not given to us to bless ourselves, but mm-hmm. always to turn outward and bless yeah. others. That's when we're most endowed with power. Mm-hmm. So I think these are kind of the nitty-gritty questions that women have about priesthood power as we're learning more and processing more. But you shared, and I love this idea, that there is priesthood power within a family and that under equal leadership of a husband and a wife, they are serving and lifting and helping their family. So what does priesthood power look like in a home that has a priesthood holder and then has a righteous covenant-keeping woman? What does that look like? And what does priesthood power look like in a home without a priesthood holder? It should look similar, I think. I think it should look like striving people doing their best. It doesn't look like taking over, but as spiritual leaders in our home, whether we have a priesthood leader in the home physically or we have a non-member in our home, we work together. This family is ours, and we work together. And does it matter if one person suggests that we have prayer? Does that always have to be the husband's job? Can the wife suggest, oh, we forgot to have prayer, or let's have a prayer? Is it okay if that mother, if she doesn't have a father in the home, can she call down the powers of heaven because she's an endowed woman to ask Heavenly Father to bless her children? Yes. I felt often as like a single woman in my home when my husband—he was an elders quorum president. He was a Sunday school president. He was the young men's president. He was the bishop. He was the stake president. All the years we were growing up, I was left alone a lot in my home with my family. And then he had a new job that he would leave the house at 5.30 a.m., 6 o'clock in the morning, and he'd get home anyway. So challenging. Yeah. And I had all these children. and So if I had waited for him to do family prayer when the children were up or to wait for Scripture study, it never would have happened. And so I used my role as a spiritual leader in conjunction with him. I says, do you feel all right if we go ahead with Scripture study mm-hmm. without you? We're do- yep. And so we would do it. And then circumstances changed, and he was able to join us when he could. It became very sweet, and I felt myself growing into a role as a spiritual leader, being magnified as I tried to do those things that I knew Heavenly Father hoped that would happen in my home. And I think it's got to be prayerful. We can't take over people's positions, but we do have a role in our home that's eternal and where we can make a difference for good. I think priesthood power with a woman looks a lot like influence, and we access that through our personal righteousness, our humility, our diligence. What's that scripture in section 121? Mm -hmm. By long-suffering, by meekness, by love unfeigned, with All those qualities will help us access priesthood power that looks different than worldly power. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for Christ-like power. And if we look at how He led and how He was humble and submissive and meek, and yet He was a spiritual leader, that's what we're looking for. 
I really love this concept of being a spiritual leader in our eternal roles and in our homes. I mean, nobody's home looks the same. You know, no. everybody's situation's different. Everybody's home is different. But just as you're talking, it's like, that doesn't matter. We can be the spiritual leader of our home, no matter what that looks like, and have access to this priesthood power from God. Yep. I love it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. That gives us so much to think about. So just to wrap up our wonderful conversation today, we love asking our guests, what would you share with the women in the church? And particularly in light of our conversation today, what do you hope women of the church understand about the temple? My hope is that women can see the temple as a place of revelation. There are so few places that are quiet where we can hear the voice of the Lord in our hearts, in our minds, where the Holy Ghost can convey those feelings and thoughts to our hearts. But we can practice at home. We can practice trying to find those quiet spaces when we're unable to be in the temple. I hope that we can remember during this time and as we prepare to come back to the temple that the temple is a place where the Lord can pull back the curtains and help us see our eternal identity and our eternal potential, what He sees us as. I had a very personal experience with that just before I was called to the Relief Society General Board. I'd been out walking early in the morning, and I just felt this overwhelming gratitude to my Heavenly Father, and I thought, how can I show him how much I love him? And so I thought, I've got to go to the temple. I went to the temple and decided that I was going to go to the initiatory area, where I find that's a good place for Heavenly Father to pull back the curtains and to reaffirm my worth. And I just felt like I floated out those temple doors, came home, and there was a phone call that I was to be up to meet with Elder Hales that afternoon to receive a call to serve on the Relief Society board. So I think what I'm trying to say, we need to be able to see ourselves as our Heavenly Father sees us, and that the temple is a place to facilitate that. So we want to be able to have a current temple recommend, to go on a moment's notice, to connect with Him. I hope women will never stop preparing, never stop, never be without a current temple recommend, never. Always be with a current temple recommend. My dad, before he died, said, Make sure you put my temple recommend in my shirt pocket when you bury me. Mm. I want to be like that. I want that to be the only thing I take with me is my current temple recommend. I hope sisters in the church feel that even if they circumstances don't allow them to be inside the temple. Have the temple in your heart. Carry it in your pocket. Carry it in your purse. It reminds me of that sweet little—it's Christmas time, so remember that little thing. What can I give him? Is as small as I am, if I were a shepherd, I'd bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. But what can I give him? Give him my heart. That is a way to give our hearts to our Heavenly Father. That's what I hope sisters come away with. Well, thank you so much, Sister Burton, for sharing your time with us today and your experiences, especially surrounding the temple, I mean, in your individual calling now and throughout your life. That's going to be really valuable for our listeners. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you're enjoying the other episodes of this show. We love hearing from you. We love hearing feedback and we take it to heart. So if there's a topic you would love to have addressed or if there's a guest you would love to hear from, please contact us and we'd love to hear your ideas. You can email Shaylin and I at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. 
We also want to make sure that our listeners are aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. In addition to being on the church's website, it's also available on the Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. So check out the podcast, subscribe, and please share with your friends and family. Until next week, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.